everybody, you found us again. Thanks a lot for tuning in to us. Remember, you can now catch us on YouTube, Rumble. Rumble's a great platform. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, across uh, podcast platforms. Tell everybody you know. We'd love you to be a part of Off Leash. And right now, today, we got to get an update on Israel. You're in Off Leash with Eric Prince. Eric, thanks for joining. So, thanks for being here, Mark. All right. Uh, we got to talk about Israel because this picture is changing by the day. That basically, it's been a month since the attack from Gaza. The IDF clearly surrounded Gaza quickly, but it seems that they've been very, very methodical, warning citizens to move south, uh, uh, planning their approach from the north. And it, it seems clear that they've got to literally go block by block, meter street by, by me street. Meter by meter. Tell me what that means to you. Look, the, the Hamas has chosen over the last couple of decades that instead of investing a lot of the money that was given to them, entrusted to them to build infrastructure and capacity for the citizens, have instead chosen to build 300 miles of tunnels. And as the Hamas leader just said in an interview, these tunnels are for Hamas. They're not for the civilians. Okay? They're, the tunnels are for Hamas to protect them so they can wage war. Civilians encouraged to leave. Many did. But now there's plenty of video evidence showing Hamas snipers shooting Palestinian civilians that are trying to flee on highways, okay? In areas that are clearly, unequivocally controlled by Hamas, their civilians are being executed for having the audacity to leave a war Hold zone. Hold on, they're shooting their own people. Yes. Where's the outcry from the world media about, Palestine, again, about Hamas again, killing Palestinians? Suppressed by the Muslim Brotherhood-friendly Al Jazeera-type media. That's incredible. It's disgusting. Okay. So, so really, Israel is not going into Gaza, of course, to end Hamas, but they're also going to protect the Palestinian people from these marauding predators that are Hamas terrorists. I had this discussion with a friend last weekend who clearly was pro-Palestinian. And I said to him, do you realize that the IDF cares more about Palestinian civilians than Hamas does? That's a, that's a fact, is it not? Absolutely a fact. Everything the IDF does is to try to, to keep civilian casualties as low as possible. It's, Hamas is the exact opposite. The most restrained warfare we've seen. I mean, trust me, when, when the Germans were in cities, the U.S., the British, the Soviet Air Force bombed the living hell out of them. The U.S. bombed the living hell out of uh, Japanese cities. Right. Uh, it was total war. Right. The, the moral equivocation of, of trying to say uh, Israel has to show all this restraint yeah. against Hamas, where Hamas clearly doesn't uh, show any restraint. They want to kill civilians. If, if there is an area of civilian concentration um, of Israelis known to Hamas, they would attack it that much quicker. And, and then the Hamas leader just this week as well is saying Octo October 7 attacks will happen a second, third, fourth, and fifth time until we run out of Israelis to kill. That's their opinion. You cannot make peace with someone that wants to do that to you. All right, so what's your read on, on the IDF progress coming down into northern part of Gaza so far? <laughs> they've had to prep the battlefield. They've done a lot of air attacks. They've done a few hostage rescues. There's been a couple of great stories of rescuing 
some soldiers or civilians. Uh, they've now effectively cut Gaza Strip in two with, a, uh, with an incursion right about the middle. So right between Khan Yunus, the second largest city in Gaza City, they've, uh, they've cut it in, in, across. So effectively, Gaza City, uh, that's the main headquarters of Hamas, um, is now even more isolated. Uh, but again, still dozens, hundreds of miles of tunnels for them to deal with. Between what, um, Lebanese, what the Iranians with Lebanese Hezbollah did in the north of the country, right. and in 2006 when um, Israel was attacked by Hezbollah up in the north, and they cleared out some of those tunnels, they actually found um, like playing cards and other magazines from North Koreans. North Korean tunnel builders had been imported into Lebanon wow. to help teach and show Hezbollah how to build more effective tunnels. Because remember, the North Koreans, since 1953, have been digging tunnels, infiltration tunnels, bunkers, firing positions, all through the mountains along the DMZ uh, the between DMZ. North and South Korea. Right. So they've taken that expertise and have taken it to the Gaza Strip to build hundreds of miles of tunnels to store weapons and for infiltration into Israel, and to be able to maneuver inside. So it doesn't matter how great um, the IDF does in terms of um, rolling in there, if they can constantly be flanked, if some guy can pop out of a hole, launch a drone, drop a grenade on a, uh, on a tank or a group of Israelis, as has been done. There's been a few dozen Israeli soldiers killed already. Uh, there was just an uh, unfortunate anti-tank missile hit, a, uh, an armored personnel carrier, and it killed 11 guys in one, uh, in one go. So it is urban warfare, especially if you're trying to be somewhat restrained, is exceedingly difficult. They have to find a solution to take out those tunnels. There's been some argue, there's been some magazine articles written about flooding the tunnels or putting smoke in them so it's, you see the other exits. They're blowing purple smoke into it so they can see where the smoke releases elsewhere, correct? Um, that creates new targets? Yes, white smoke, purple. There's, there's, there's lots of ways. I hope that they're uh, opening their minds and seeing what the, uh, what the world might have to offer them in terms of that expertise. Do you think they, so far, you know, with devastating the northern part, you know, north of Gaza City, devastating many of the tunnel networks, do you think they've learned and they're adapting their, 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 their Hamas or IDF? IDF. Look, they, they have not, all the incursions they've done, have not been an absolute one where, they've, where they can be assured that they've cleaned out every square meter above ground and below ground. They have to do that this time. It's like a, it's like a, a root canal. If, when, when you, if you have a bad tooth and it's constantly infected, mm -hmm. it will infect and, 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 and kill the host. You mm -hmm. have to suffer the pain, endure it, and clean the infection out or the infection will continue. So the IDF has eliminated some of the tunnels, but what, what they're finding is they'll get hit and run attacks from, from Hamas. Yes, and they're flushed and out of the tunnels, right? There's, then, fe there's feeder tunnels. There's, um, um, again, all their major weapons depots are stored underground because that's where they plan to stay and fight. So are they on schedule or is there no schedule? Look, Israel has to weigh the tempo that they go um, by how much do they get attacked in the media when you have the apologists for terrorism, even in Congress, telling, um, and in the White House, telling Israel that they need to take a pause. They need a pause. Why, why, why would you have a pause? Because they need to get humanitarian aid in for, for Palestinians, even though, why would we assume the Palestinians are actually getting the humanitarian aid? 
especially when there's video evidence showing Hamas people executing Palestinian civilians who are trying to flee. So yeah, it's a, it is a the, 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 the worst loser in all this are the Palestinian people because they have, they are, they are ruled by a terror gang and that, that terror gang has to go away. Well, it's interesting because, you know, they talked at the beginning of the attack on Israel about the open air prison that, that Gaza represents. Well, who's the, who, who are they captive to? It, they're not captive to Israel. The, the worst truth form, is they're captive the, to Hamas. The worst form of a criminal gang whose sole mission in life is to kill Jews. Well, and, and then Hamas, of course, talk a little bit about how they'll use hospitals, uh, mosques for cover, and, and how that's factoring into the IDF plan. The major, the major tunner, tunnel and bunker uh, uh, areas are directly under mosques and hospitals or schools, which, are, which Israel pays a political price for every time you do it. But even under the law of war, if you're using a civilian target or infrastructure as, um, as a, for military means, it loses its civilian protection status. But that seems to be lost on all the left-wing commentators that just want to disparage Israel as the aggressor here. Okay. I have, all right. I have, I'm somewhat informed. I have not heard that spelled out before. Walk me through that. I need to hear that again. Because <laughs> people need to understand this. Civilian infrastructure that's used for military purposes loses its protection as a civilian. Um, so that could be a school, a hospital, school, anything. hospital, mosque. When you're using it and launching military attacks from it, it loses under the law of war its civilian protection. But that seems to be forgotten by the by the by the the talking head class. And that would be the perfect excuse for Israel not to use restraint. Nonetheless, they use extreme restraint yes. in their targeting. So again, they have to find a way to at least take out the tunnels. And doing that will take away the enemy's ability to maneuver out of sight, and to take away their ammo supply. But it's, it's, it's got to be a, a painfully methodical process, block by block, street by street, right? Painful, deadly for Israeli troops, and, uh, and certainly deadly for any, any Palestinian uh, civilians that are still stuck in that war zone that are too afraid because they'll be executed by Hamas for leaving. Extraordinary. Hamas wants them to stay there so they die and die ugly so they can get propaganda points from it. All right. Amazing update on Gaza. But look, the conflict, of course, naturally is going to expand if Iran gets its way. We'll talk about that in a minute. Imagine a technology company built to restore your privacy, not take it away. You and your phone are constantly bombarded with tracking, surveillance, propaganda, and digital attacks. Even big tech companies claiming to protect privacy create their own back doors. Unplugged restores what's been lost, starting with a messenger, a VPN, a mobile antivirus. The Unplugged App Bundle gives you back what's rightfully yours. Unplugged. Restore your privacy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody. 
We're off leash and back with an important update on Israel. Eric, uh, this week, the Houthis declared war on Israel. So it caused me to wonder, all right, how quickly is this thing going to uh, escalate? But importantly, who are all these players in the region? And, and why is this significant that the Houthis are now coming after Israel? You have to understand, Iran does proxy forces really well. And for them, it's all about completing, it's called the Shia Crescent. You go from Iran, through Iraq, through Syria, all the way to Lebanon to attack the north half of Israel. Why Syria? They supported Assad, an Alawite. Alawite is a Shia sect. It's a very tiny percent of the population, like 90% of Syria is Sunni. Um, but they've kept Assad in power. Um, even during the Syrian civil war after the, the, the 2011 Arab Spring. In Iraq, um, the U.S. completely bungled the, the liberation of Iraq, and they basically turned what was Iraq as an independent country, and they basically made it Iran's bitch. They have, Iraq has been subjugated. How? <clears throat> With the same kind of model of how they used Lebanese Hezbollah in Lebanon, Shia, to become the power within the power. In Iraq, um, I remember in 2004, the head of the then Iraqi intelligence service came to visit me at Blackwater with his agency handler and said, we're seeing all kinds of evidence of the Iranians setting up political offices, assassination teams, okay, military muscle inside the country amongst the Shia to drive out any kind of representative government to exercise their own power. And they wanted, the, the Iraqi intelligence service wanted to do something about that uh, and build teams to find these Iranian agents and eradicate them. And it was, the agency was going to fund it. Condi Rice, the national security advisor then, said, oh no, Iran is not our enemy. We have to respect the political process. No. If we had done that program, it would have prevented Iran from getting their tentacles, their hooks, into Iraq and subjugating it the way they have. Didn't and so that completely now, deny history, that decision in 2004? It, of course it is. But again, you put academics in places where they're supposed to make uh, difficult, dangerous decisions against gangsters that understand really how to play the long game. And so now in Iraq, you have a force called the Hashtashabi, uh, which is paid for by the Iraqi government, but with Iranian generals, Iranian officers that pledge their allegiance to the Supreme Leader not to the leader of Iraq, not to an Iraqi constitution, to Iran. So, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Houthis in Yemen. Ethnic group in the northwest of the country, um, armed, trained, prepared, have been waging a war against the Saudis and for a while against the Emiratis in trying to take over all of Yemen the same way. And it had been relatively quiet. Uh, the last few years compared to what it was. And uh, again, stimulated by Iranian direction, they declare war against Israel. They actually fire off cruise missiles and ballistic missiles shot down by a U.S. Navy uh, uh, destroyer in the Red Sea while on the way. So it's um, for, for Iran, it's not just about smashing Israel. It's also about owning Saudi Arabia and the holy places of Islam to reestablish 
a greater Persian Empire. So, but it sounds to me like all Iran is doing is filling vacuums of leadership. I mean, they did that in Iraq, correct? They are their own version of a scrum, yep. and they do right. less on economics, and they do a lot more through terrorism, covert action, uh, and military push, and organizing amongst tribal people, and um, paying relatively ignorant people to do suicide squads and all the rest to to wage war but, in a way that the Iranians understand how to do, and they do it pretty well. But Iran has the resources in the past three years they didn't have for the four years prior to that. That's correct, correct, because they took the sanctions off of Iran and also just negotiated to give them billions of dollars for hot, billions of, a billion dollars per American hostage. It's gonna incentivize more hostage taking by the Iranians. But the tens of billions they've made because the sanctions were lifted has made a, a dramatic difference in the entire region, correct? Absolutely. Okay, so Houthis, Yemen, uh, you know, I can read a map, I can look at this, and I think, wait a minute, that seems like, you know, quite a separation of territory between them and Israel. Explain that to me and, and, and what they're doing in Saudi as well. If, if the Iranians, through their Houthi uh, proxy, can take over and, and, and uh, control Yemen, the ba Bab al-Mandab, which is another key choke point waterway, that's the first thing they teach you when you go to the Naval Academy is all the key choke points because that affects history and how naval battles are won. Um, you know, at the north end, you have the Suez Canal through Egypt, south end, Bab al-Mandab. Uh, for the Houthis, it's about controlling all of it. And, and again, it's American lack of, lack of nuance and lack of cleverness. In the 1960s, Nasser, ruler of Egypt, uh, invaded Yemen with 50,000 Egyptian troops, deposed the monarch, and pushed what was then a little bit of a British presence down to the southern port city of Yemen, uh, of Aden. Right. And it was an interesting cooperation. There's a fantastic book called The War That Never Was. And it, it describes how uh, the Saudis turned to David Sterling, the founder of the SAS. He had a private military company. said, go find some guys like yourself. So down they go. They're paid by the Saudis in gold. They're armed by the Israelis, oddly enough. The Israelis would fly down from Elat in southern Israel all the way once a week, drop on a smoke grenade in Yemen, this merry band of men who worked with the Yemeni tribes to push the Egyptians out. And they did so well that David Sterling actually received a medal from the, Brit from the Israeli army because in the 67 war it had pinned down so many Egyptian troops that helped them do better. So... There's lots of clever ways to solve these ancient problems. The, the Emiratis and the Saudis wanted my help to finish the Houthis back in 2017 and 18, and they were told by Mattis and the rest of the deep state apparatchiks at the Pentagon, under Trump, who Trump didn't really control, they were told that if you hire Eric Prince, you're going to lose U.S. support. So again, that fire could have been put out. But the same clueless people that dragged us through 20 years of Afghanistan denied, so denied said, So, so it, again, it was not going to cost the U.S. government $1. The Saudis, the Emiratis wanted capacity, just like the Saudis used in 1965 to finish the problem for at least another 30 years, denied by the same deep state people. The Saudis wanted to, to, to basically eliminate the Houthis. Came to you to do no, it, they didn't and want our to, guys blocked it? They didn't want to eliminate him. They just wanted to drive them. They wanted to give them enough consequences to bring him to the, to the negotiating table. Because the Houthis, well-trained, well-armed, 
were running rampant, actually operating and invading inside of Saudi territory. So it was a real problem for them. And I guess the, I don't know if it's the Pentagon turf or if it's the military industrial complex that just wanted to keep selling the Saudis overpriced stuff, but they denied people like me and my friends from going and helping them and finishing the problem. Okay, but now the Houthis now become a problem for, for, for Saudi Right yes. now, and, right? And they, and they, if they're and, interested in drawing and, and, Israel, and, and as this, as this, uh, is a, the acceleration of provocations by all these proxy forces, there was like twenty-four different attacks on U.S. interests all through the region in Syria, um, in Lebanon, in Iraq, um, missiles, mortars, drone attacks, etc. So the Iranians are really dialing up the uh, the provo uh, the provocations trying to drag us into a, 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 a broader Middle East war. Why? Because they want it to make, make it between all of Islam and somehow that the, the Iranians are representing all of Islam right. versus the bad boy West. Is there anything? It's been, and and what gives them the ability to do that through all these proxies is a lack of cleverness in putting those fires out properly over the last 30 years. Or today, seeing And after trillions advance. of dollars, thousands of American lives being spent not well in Iraq or Afghanistan, everyone that made decisions there should be forever discounted from having a voice again. Because if that's what success looks like, let's try a different method of success. Is there anything the Saudis can do about the Houthis now? Absolutely. What should they do? The same plan that we offered in 2017 can be done again. Tell me about Qatar in this mix. <clears throat> Qatar is the major funder of the Muslim Brotherhood. If you, if you compare, um, so, so whether, whether it's in, um, when there's protests in Egypt and Mubarak was thrown out in 2011, Qatar funded Mohammed Morsi, the Muslim Brotherhood guy, to take over in the country. They have, they have sponsored it all through the region in sponsoring al-Shabaab in Somalia, sponsoring insurgency in Mozambique to affect the gas development, to delay gas development. Um, because the single biggest new gas um, discovery in Africa was Mozambique. Millions and tons of production coming offshore and onshore in northern Mozambique. Um, I would say 95% likely sponsored by Qatar. Why? Because Qatar's oil and gas contracts in 2025 largely go back on the spot market, meaning their long-term contracts selling to Korea, Japan, to East Asia expired. So by them knocking off a competitor that was coming online greatly improves their pricing power. Is this that we're, we're going to exit this segment, but is this not an opportunity for American leadership to come in and unite the Arab countries around their common goal, which is to basically shut down Iran, just as Donald Trump had done at the beginning of his administration. And it's, and it's tough to get confidence amongst the Arab countries when you have a weak big brother in America that is counseling restraint and constantly holding him back and allowing Qatar to have Al Jazeera in English saying one thing, Al Jazeera in Arabic, saying the most inflammatory propaganda inciting the Arab street all through North Africa and the Middle East. It's horrific and, and they're allowed to get away with it. The money from Qatar that penetrates DC society, West executive, um, the, the West executive company that all the, the Biden people come from in London, same problem. 
huge Muslim Brotherhood problem in funding there, Qatar trying to buy influence. So we got American weakness abroad. We got American weakness right here in the U.S. Our government is weak in the face of these outrageous reactions. And for all the noise in Washington about Russia, 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 let's talk about Qatari money sprinkled all through the lobbyists and institutions. Qatar is the largest outside funder of American universities. Not China. Nope. That's incredible. All right, look, we got to talk about the reaction to the war against Israel on U.S. campuses and universities and what's happening right here in the U.S. We'll do that when we come back in just a minute. Imagine a technology company built to restore your privacy, not take it away. You and your phone are constantly bombarded with tracking, surveillance, propaganda, and digital attacks. Even big tech companies claiming to protect privacy create their own back doors. Unplugged restores what's been lost, starting with a messenger, a VPN, a mobile antivirus. The Unplugged app bundle gives you back what's rightfully yours. Unplugged. Restore your privacy. Okay, we're back with our update on Israel. And what I want to get into is the reaction in the U.S., especially on U.S. university and college campuses. Okay, Eric, so let me lay this out for you. For years, for years now, American universities and campuses have been this place where uh, microtransgressions have been identified and you can be punished for misgendering somebody and we need safe spaces because of these, you know, microaggressions or transgressions or whatever you may call them. Microaggressive, microaggressions, massive nonsense. Yeah. Okay. So it's this cauldron of wokeness and political correctness taking place on our campuses for years, right? Conservatives not welcome. They get attacked. Uh, conservative speakers come to campuses. You've got to get entire, you know, armed uh, security set up to protect people. Now... On campuses across the country, we've got these uprisings uh, calling for a ceasefire, calling uh, you know for an end to the uh, genocide of Palestinians. In reaction to only a month after this unbelievable massacre of Israeli citizens, this is extraordinary to me. Yeah, instead of being in educational institutions, they become Hamas apologetics. All of them. Yes. You know, and, and it's, it's interesting because you've got some campuses where they, the 34 groups at Harvard signed this letter and the heads of each of the groups. And then Accuracy and Media very shrewdly took photos of these student group leaders, put them on the side of a, a billboard of a truck and parked them right out in the street by the campus to say, these people, you know, basically are calling for anti-Semitism and, and genocide of Jews. Yep. Correct? So th this, th this doesn't add up to me. I thought the campuses were all about this, this, uh, this, this wokeness, and yet they're basically fostering this anti-Semitism that's taking place. Again, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. Where, okay, what does money have to do with this reaction? If you want to think about following the money, think about Qatar in, in, in the schools they've supported. Cornell, $2 billion in the last 20 years. Georgetown, $823 million. Carnegie Mellon, $817 million. Texas A&M, $792 million. Virginia Commonwealth University, $243 million. Why? Why is Qatar giving them that money? Buying influence, buying the PR, 
and you think they don't, uh, they're Islamic studies, you think they're the, the, the stuff that they're teaching in those schools is exactly along what the Muslim Brotherhood line of thinking is supposed to be. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I always say that, that the left, you can always count on the left to overreach. And this is a classic example of it. They've, they've overreached beyond anyone's reasonable comprehension where a massacre happens against Israeli citizens and all of a sudden we're supposed to have a, supposed to have a ceasefire so, so that Israel can still be vulnerable to attacks from Hamas? Can you imagine saying to New Yorkers um, by October of 2001 that you wanted a ceasefire in Afghanistan for what? We to hadn't let, even, the first the shot hadn't gone off yet in Afghanistan. To let the but, Taliban get away? I right. mean, that's, that's, that's how outrageous, preposterous that, uh, that request is. Well, and you know, talk about follow the money. I mean, these campuses, these universities have gotten fat and rich by billions and millions of dollars because of the U.S. taxpayer. And Harvard is effectively a hedge fund, not really a school. They're a $50 billion endowment. Um, I, look. I'd say the next administration should think about taxing these endowments. And, um, and I think the only way to really change these schools is to, you know, the, the middle states um, is the accrediting institution that says you're, a, you're approved as a college mm -hmm. and you're not. Mm -hmm. And if the quality of person that's coming out of those schools is reflected in that kind of thinking that terrorism is okay and that diversity is the most important thing instead of, basic science, technology, and, and, uh, and mathematics, then change what qualifies as universities and let people compete, let the open market compete, and eventually these rotten schools will either reform or they'll be driven out of business. I like that. I like that a lot because what we're seeing now is, here we are four weeks after the massacre, and we're not just seeing mass protests on these campuses against Israel. We're seeing Jewish students directly harassed and being heckled, and harassed, condemned. threatened, and even attacked, and and it's wrong, and it's it that these this Hamas wing has become effectively what the KKK was against blacks, um, blacks and Jews during the during the forties, fifties, and sixties in America. Yeah, and it's an, it's ridiculous, and it must stop. One of the uh, I find one of the clearest voices on the war on Israel, uh, and on many issues, is uh, Victor Davis Hanson. Love that guy. I, I got a, I've got a quote from him from, from his, latest, uh, his latest piece called One Sick War. There is something surreal, even sick, about the current Gazan war. Throughout European and American cities and campuses, tens of thousands of Middle East immigrants and students and radical leftists chant nonstop, free Palestine from the river to the sea, which you had just said a little while ago. More recently, they are also yelling, Israel, you can't hide. We caught you in genocide. Consider the hypocrisy of that dual messaging. Hamas and its supporters are openly and eagerly calling for the genocidal end of Israel by wiping it out from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Yet at the same time, they also claim it is Israel that is committing genocide. The very current self-described agenda of Hamas and its expatriate community of devotees. So basically, American students are saying that they are on the side of Hamas. And well, their, their administrations are tolerating it. And while their own, while other fellow American citizens have been taken hostage or murdered, slaughtered by Hamas at the same way. And there may still be 400 Americans in Still being held in Gaza. Gaza, and Hamas won't let them leave because they want them to be killed. Well, th 
to talk about uh, great for trading, 400 American lives. That, that's, I mean, you know, there's no way that Hamas is going to let them go. It must make America reconsider severely what our immigration policies have been. Are we a, the, the, America worked when it was a melting pot, not when it's a patchwork, not when it's a patchwork quilt of little pockets of, of ethnic hate that has been allowed and promoted in Democrat-run cities around America. This is not sustainable for a country, and it must be fixed. Well, it's, a, it's, it's basically this, this culture of anti-assimilation is effectively what we've seen, and now we're seeing the effects of that. Look, it's one thing for a student to stand up and, and speak their voice, right? We, we protect that right in this country. If you are on a student visa, and you were harassing Jewish students, and you were calling for the annihilation of Israel, what should happen to that student visa? Two, cho two choices, window or aisle. <laughs> right. They should be eliminated from this country immediately. In fact, I probably wouldn't even do that. Right. I would say pallet, yeah. pallet glass. Yeah, right. Understood. But that's, that's the answer, though. Why, why is there no effort to expel these students who are basically calling for violence against their fellow students? It's in keeping with the same uh, horrific dissolution of our, of our sovereign borders for immigration. When you, when you, when you systematically dissolve border control procedures and welcome in as many people from countries that you have no control of or no visibility of, it's, uh, it's in keeping with the same, it's either intentional destruction of the fabric of our society, or it's the most incompetent group of people that have ever been in power in America. I mean, look, Victor Davis Hanson is very articulate with this, right? And, and, it's, and I think part of the reason why uh, this hypocrisy is, is allowed to thrive on U.S. campuses is because of the news media. The news media basically wants to shame Israel to, to force them into a position politically where they've got to cease fire, they have to take a pause, which is exactly what the Biden administration and Anthony, Blink, Anthony Blinken are calling for now as a pause. Well, would you see the, the, the Hamas wing of the Democratic Party fully aligned with Black Lives Matter and the Democratic Socialists of America, three hard left, Bolshevik, awful paradigms of thought. You can see where uh, that wing of the Democratic Party sits on these things. Sure. And it is not in favor of any kind of individual liberty or religious freedom of expression. Well, and, and right out of, uh, out of Michigan, we got Congresswoman Tlaib, who was, there was a censure vote for her this week. And sure enough, there are actually Republicans, uh, including Chip Roy, by the way, who voted against her censure, even though she is basically an anti-Semite. She has called for the genocide of Israel. And even Congress can't stand up and, and you know, speak out against just a, a horrid anti-Semite in their ranks. And this gets solved within the rule of law? or it gets settled another way, but it's gotta get settled. Yeah, indeed, absolutely. Well, great update on Israel. We're gonna be covering this a lot uh, you know, in the weeks to come. Uh, in the meantime, look, check us out. We're on, we're on, uh, we're on YouTube. Rumble's such a great platform for conservatives and uh, freedom lovers. We're across Spotify and Apple and, and all podcasts. Look, check us out, tell other people about it. We're out there, we're gonna keep talking with the inimitable Eric Prince because we're off leash. See you next time.